Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include chatter at the Western Secondary, my interview with Sarah Nokel on how Candra is moving into post-close QC automation and enabling dynamic servicing strategies via robust and detailed data, and what to expect in the bond market this week. Today's podcast is presented by Candor, AI that puts your underwriting on autopilot. As the only autonomous intelligence in mortgage technology, only Candor's loan engineering system can make complex underwriting decisions with zero human assist. Candor automates both tasks and intellect. Here at the California MBA's Western Secondary in Orange County, besides talk of Utah's Pie and Beer Day yesterday, maybe it's Pioneer Day, most of the discussions are about products to help borrowers and lack of premium pricing and rates. As an indicator, the 10-year treasury yield ended last week at 2.75% and the two-year closed at 2.97%. Meanwhile, the Fed Fund's futures market swung around quite a bit all week, but settled at an 80% probability that the Federal Reserve's policymaking committee lifts the benchmark rate by 0.75 percentage points this week and a close to 20% chance of a full percentage point hike. Remember pigs? I mean, Portugal, Italy, Greece, and Spain and their debt crisis from 2009 to 2014? Unlike the U.S., which makes up one large jurisdiction, the European Central Bank's decision to raise rates will reverberate through 27 different member states and their economies, exposing more indebted countries like Italy to financial trouble and weighing on peripheral bond yields as a whole. Not helping matters is Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi, former ECB president himself, announcing his resignation, prompting Italy's 10-year government bond yield to jump above 3.5%, compared to the just over 1% yield on the 10-year German Bund. Should Germany pay for other countries? For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show Sarah Nokel. She spent the last 20 years delivering data and analytics solutions that transform clients' business models. She's worked at companies such as Loan Performance, CoreLogic, and Digital Risk, and currently works at Candor as the CEO of their new data and analytics business, where she's leveraging Candor's unique and proprietary data assets to deliver transformational products to the mortgage industry. I have heard through the grapevine that Candor's moving into post-close QC automation, which is very exciting. Can you give us a little color on that and fill us in? Absolutely. It is very exciting um, because the implications of what it will do for that segment of the industry are are, um, profound. So what we have been working on right now, and it's actually um, about to be put into the hands of our first beta clients, um, is using our loan engineering system to be able to perform a post-close quality control underwrite on a mortgage that wasn't made by our system. So we will be able to take um, bulk portfolios of of closed loans, run them through our system, and perform the same underwrite that Candor does for its current clients. Why is that important for post-close QC? Well, let's talk about the GSEs for a moment and um, the fact that I think everyone can agree we are expecting to see an increase in repurchases and defects um, in the near future here. Part of that is due to loans coming out of COVID forbearance, um, which we don't know what exactly will happen with them. Part of that is due to the very high volumes that we saw over the last few years and the tendency in high volume times for the the credit quality to deteriorate ever so slightly. So 
as we um, see what's going to happen with the GSEs, um, the largest source of repurchases and defects after collateral, you know, not involving appraisal, is really around the credit decision and the income calculation analysis that was done on the loan. And one of the things um, that is most common or most commonly found by the GSEs are missing documents. So it's entirely possible that a lender um, did everything correct when they calculated income and made their credit decision, but if they're missing a document, they can't prove it. And so that's a that's a significant problem, even if they didn't really do anything wrong. Um, the other things that can happen are the documents uh, could be expired at the time of the underwrite. Um, and then the, the third problem that happens in relationship to the credit um, decision is if the income calculation had multiple ways it could have been done, meaning that the guideline that applied to the borrower scenario had some room for interpretation and there are multiple ways it could have been approached, that provides a point of contention um, with the GSEs and they can question how you came to your conclusion on the income. So those are the problems that uh, lenders or originators will be facing in the coming months here. The reason being able to use Candor's loan engineering system to do post-close QC is that it actually can guard against each of those problems. And I, I can explain to you exactly how. So our loan engineering system, um, it checks for every required document according to what is prescribed in the loan application. So if your loan is already made, closed, and funded, um, but for some reason a document went missing, when we review the file, we'll let you know any documents that you should have that we were not able to find. We will also let you know any documents that happen to be in the file that maybe we can't link to the file. They don't match a customer name, um, a borrower, social security. They don't match any of the employers, but we're able to give that information as well. Um, additionally, we can tell the lender if the documents were expired at the time of the initial underwrite. So we can give them all that information and it gives them the opportunity to fix those problems before those loans get to the GSC and they're you know, found lacking downstream. The other thing that's rather unique about our system and very dynamic is the way we approach our income calculations. So uh, Candor tries to take into consideration all possible paths when calculating income. Now, we will usually choose the most conservative path, but then we also tell the lender what other options were available to them. So when we um, review, when our system reviews a loan and produces an output, it will say, this is what we calculated the income as and why. But we've also seen these other documents. And if you wanted to, you could take these other actions using them. So if you're a lender and you're concerned about um, answering why uh, an income calculation was done a particular way, um, we pretty much give you a roadmap of your options and where you need to look and how to answer those kinds of questions. Um, lastly, the, the reason this is so powerful is today lenders can really only afford to address um, a portion of their loans in post-close QC. Regulators require 10%, I believe, of every product to be tested. Um, it's extremely expensive and time-consuming. And while it may help you fix the problems with the loans that are reviewed, 
you have no idea what could be lurking in that other 90%. And that is likely where defects and repurchases are going to come from. So a service like Candor's loan engineering system and post-close QC capability, which is automated and human-free, gives you the ability to very quickly run all your loans through it 100% and surface these issues um, and get a baseline. Are there any missing documents? Are there any expired documents? Are there any income calculations that were open to interpretation that we need to be aware of? It gives you that list right off the bat, and then lenders are able to focus their attention on those areas that need fixing instead of worrying about all of the areas they cannot see into. I've heard you're also having conversations with servicers about enabling dynamic servicing strategies via robust and detailed data. Can you talk to uh, the listeners a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I've actually had the privilege of talking to a number of very forward-thinking folks in the servicing industry who um, have a vision of curing the data gap. Um, I think most of us are aware that um, when a loan, uh, when a loan's MSR is transferred, there is usually a data gap or data loss. And what it means is that servicers are not operating with the best information possible. So how can they and the borrower be set up for success in the um, life of the loan after origination? Um, so I, I look at this vision um, that I have heard from folks in the servicing industry, and I feel that it's very similar to Candor's vision. What, what Candor has done is tried to create a single source of truth with an incredible amount of detail and granularity around the origination of the loan and the underwrite, the borrower, the property. What, um, what we've been able to do is create something we call the loan legacy, which is this file of all the detailed things we know about the borrower, about the property, um, and how it was underwritten. What I would love to see is for this information to travel with the loan downstream into secondary. It could be, um, it could go with the loan to the investors who are buying it. It could go with the loan to the servicers who are now going to establish a relationship with this borrow for likely years on end. I think that the servicing industry is um, wanting or desiring to transition from thinking about the borrower in terms of um, their transactional value and a single event and looking at them more from the view of the customer's lifetime value. Um, at Candor, we view the loan life cycle and the customer experience within it as continuous. It doesn't have to have a start or an end. It really can be a constant feedback loop as the needs of the borrower change. They might move, they might refinance, um, have life changes. And um, all of that information really needs to be built upon and maintained in order to um, provide them the best service possible, whether it's dealing with a life change that affects their ability to uh, pay their current mortgage, or they want to get a different mortgage because they want to um, reduce their rate or move or something to that effect. So what we would like to offer up is that the loan legacy that comes out of Candor's underwriting could be the foundation for building then um, this servicing single source of truth of how the borrower has performed, um, how their life has changed. Because these days, I think we all acknowledge that um, people change jobs a lot more frequently. They have lots of different kinds of income. Um, people have the freedom to really shape their lives in many different ways. And very quickly, 
your picture of the borrower's life can change. So somehow that needs to be maintained somewhere. And I think servicers are in an excellent position to do that. Um, but Candor's data could provide a foundation for that. Yeah, I've been telling people that as the origination pie shrinks in this current market, it becomes more and more of a borrower's market in a sense. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how a market downturn kind of refocuses the attention to the consumer? Certainly. And that's that's kind of a normal part of the mortgage cycles. Um, if you think back to 2008 and what happened after um, the meltdowns, there was a lot of concern about customer experience, um, primarily because they felt people had been sold bad loans. Um, but that's where we got the invention of the point of sale systems. And um, I think we've seen um, a vast improvement in borrower experience due to POS systems, um, and they've become quite prevalent now. Um, so now I think lenders, servicers, and regulators as well are all looking to improve customer experience after origination. So what happens to them once they have their loan? And this is where the idea of the lifetime value of the customer comes in. They're not just um, valuable for that one-time tra transaction and origination. Um, for example, if you were a servicer and um, you got an MSR transfer and it contained a candor loan legacy file in it, you would know right away, your new borrowers, which one of them's had um, a wage earner job, which one of them owns their own business or maybe multiple businesses, which ones of them have income coming from a portfolio of real estate that they hold. And so you might want to treat them differently and you might want to give um, them a different person to manage their account and build a relationship with them. Someone who can anticipate their needs um, by staying close to them. So now let's let's imagine that that's, that's gotten the servicer off to an excellent start with their welcome call with the borrower, and they know exactly what to talk to them about because they have this candor loan legacy file. As the years go by and things change for the borrower, if that servicer could keep adding to that file and telling us how well the borrower was able to service their loan or how proactive they were in contacting the servicer when things changed. Um, that would build the case when it comes time for that borrower to perhaps need something different, to even be able to make a recommendation to them of what kind of a loan product might fit their lifestyle. And the servicer would have that information. So um, it might even alleviate the need of the borrower to go out and shopping for a loan. The servicer could help them find their next loan. And I want to close with this. So Candor's eventual goal is to become the standard for underwriting in the industry. How do you get the name out there? Is it, you know, through education or brand awareness? What, how, do you, how do you further further that? It is a multi-pronged approach. Um, I would say on, on the one hand, um, us continuing to serve our clients and make them happy has been a great source of um, new clients and because the industry is small and there's a lot of word of mouth. Um, the other thing I will say is that we have had a, um, a renewed effort on brand awareness and um, advertising our benefits. Um, we're, we're definitely working in that area to um, leverage our network and uh, get our name out there more. We've been attending since I'd say, um, since the MBA conference at the end of last year, we've started attending a lot more conferences, um, which, which has given us a lot of recognition. We've been able to demo on stage at the MBA tech event in Las Vegas this year. Um, so we're definitely doing all the right things to get in front of people. 
And um, it, we are seeing a difference. We Our pipeline is quite full um, with new customers. I think we're targeting six more in the coming uh, week here. Um, but yeah, we, we can always do better and we're always striving to do better. Awesome. I think it's only a matter of time until kind of the dominoes fall and people realize this is the future and, and it's worth getting on board. Sarah, I want to thank you for making the time. Uh, this was great and I look forward to having you back on soon. Thank you so much, Robbie. June's housing data released last week highlighted the impact higher mortgage rates and higher home prices are having on home sales. Existing home sales fell to a 5.12 million unit pace as the average price was a record $423,300. Single-family housing starts have retreated to a 982,000 unit pace, which is near pre-pandemic levels. Permits have also fallen as builders begin to scale back production in the face of higher building costs. And those higher costs have put average mortgage payments at the highest ratio to income since the 1980s. The good news for prospective buyers is that available housing inventory is increasing and competition for homes is waning. Should the job market start to cool, that would further reduce demand for home purchases. Friday's flash PMI that showed the services sector of the economy in contraction, as well as other recent week data points, have changed market expectations about the path of rates. Markets now expect one more 75 basis point rate hike, and then only 50 basis points in September, with the Fed getting less aggressive earlier than was expected last month. After the FOMC meeting this week, no change is expected in the current rate of MBS roll-off, which is at $17.5 billion per month and will bump up to $35 billion per month come September. This week brings the latest Federal Open Market Committee decision on Wednesday, followed by Fed Chair Powell's press conference. A 75 basis point hike would bring the target Fed funds target range to 2.25% to 2.5%. Besides the Fed events, there's a pretty solid slate of economic news and the Chicago National Activity Index for June kicked off today's calendar. It was unchanged at negative 0.19. The desk will purchase an average of $747 million of mortgage-backed securities today through Thursday, of which 83.5% will be in Class A, before releasing a new purchase schedule Thursday afternoon that is expected to total $6 billion. We begin the last trading week of July with agency MBS prices worse an eighth to a quarter and the 10-year yielding 2.82 after closing last week at 2.78%. Let's wrap up with some old farmer's advice and some housekeeping. Your fences need to be horse high, pig tight, and bull strong. Keep skunks and bankers at a distance. Life is simpler when you plow around the stump. A bumblebee is considerably faster than a John Deere tractor. And words that soak into your ears are whispered, not yelled. I wish some of my ex-girlfriends would have realized that last one. Thanks again to this week's podcast sponsor, Candor, AI that puts your underwriting on autopilot. Candor automates both tasks and intellect. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcasts from.